1: Absolutely timeless. Rebel, huh? Yeah. Yeah, this, this, there's so many Bowie tunes that, that fit no matter yeah. when you drop them in, no matter what the era is. Yeah, and always a good tempo, too, which we like. Some kind of, you oh, know, yeah. smacks people around a little bit when yeah. we start. Some something that'll make people shake their asses a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. So, uh, yeah, for anybody who's living in a cave and did not recognize that, that was David Bowie doing Rebel Rebel.
0: You know, you've just alienated our Muslim terrorist listening audience. Did I Aaron you know, K. And, and I have right here in my notes, right at the top, <laughs> do not alienate, you rebel scum, the Muslim oh, terrorists. Oh, we're bleeding at But go ahead, sir.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was the first single off his 1974 release, Diamond Dogs. And uh, it became a kind of a glam anthem. Nice. Uh, Which is ironic because a lot of people consider it his last nod towards the glam era that he was so much a part of, Hmm. Um, you know, the Ziggy Stardust days. Right. And a segue into the, you know, double breasted suit wearing thin white Duke days. Hmm. Um, Apparently, that was recorded at the tail end of the Ziggy sessions, and uh, for whatever reason, didn't make the album and became his first single off of Diamond Dogs. And, uh, and yeah, tasty stuff. You always got these snippets. Thank you. And uh, as you know, everything that David Bowie does is... On your tasty scale, a, a, right. Usually a 9 or a 10 <laughs> on the tasty scale. Foregone a conclusion. So it's always, always good fun opening the show with a David Bowie tune. All right, but uh, this
0: one in particular you were drawn to. Uh, well, yeah. You tell everybody. I'm yeah, not going to play well, spoiler. The,
1: the, 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 the whole <laughs> glam anthem thing, you know, mm-hmm. that, was a, that was a time period of... Uh, Androgyny. Sexual fluidity, yeah. fluidity, and androgyny, and uh, and yeah, it's it's uh, it's uh, it would be interesting to see um, how people today, as picky and anal as they are, sure, would take you know some of the things that they were doing back in the seventies and mm-hmm. whatnot. Um, it seems like they're always uh, these days anyway. It seems there's always something in the news about. Uh, you know somebody's sexuality or yeah. fluid sexual identities, or, or and
0: even more so, it seems uh, as you'll see in a second, just a, a tearing down of our
1: childhood icons. <laughs> yeah, there's, there does seem to be a little bit of that going on with today's topic, no doubt. Right. About I mean, it. this this uh,
0: critter in particular, we're going to touch on. I guess he had kind of a creepy childhood. If this was one of your icons, but still, yeah, a, a, a childhood mainstay. Name of, and I'm sure I'll catch hell just for this surname, Mr. Potato Head. It's a man, baby!
1: <laughs> well, we're definitely, definitely going to talk, talk Mr. Potato Head. We're also going to inject, as bizarre as this sounds, we're going to inject some Muppets oh, into yeah. this, this topic of conversation. <laughs> because
0: it's open season on the 70s.
1: Oh, man. It would seem in a lot of different ways. I mean,
0: first they took Bruce Jenner. Okay, which arguably... All right, we'll give you Bruce Jenner. <laughs> and I don't know what the trade-off... Let's say the trade-off was like Rick and Morty. Okay, so we'll, well, that's, that's fair. We'll take that. Then, <laughs> this is starting to sound like that parable again. First they came and took <laughs> Bruce, and you said nothing. Right? Then they discontinued uh, the big wheel... Which was, as children, that was our main source of, of transportation. Cool. Yeah. Right? yeah,
1: yeah. Now, uh, yeah, What was the deal with that? It was too dangerous or something? Oh, incredibly dangerous. Yeah. Whereas if you look at the
0: commercial from the 70s, they've got kids basically doing flips with no helmet, oh, no yeah. shoes. Oh, you know, Right, breaking in the middle of the, of the road, the you street, know, like cars yeah. are giving them right away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you never get away with that uh, now. Uh, uh. And now the latest uh, casualty, if, if you will,
1: um yeah, one thing at a time. As, as we drag the past yeah. out into the light,
0: Mister. And again, if I'm offending you by saying Mister. Potato Head, go fuck yourself.
1: Don't make me angry.
0: You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. We'll go more into that in a moment.
1: Um, <laughs> if, if that is offensive to you, I, I got to say, yeah. I, I, you know, even being the liberal voice <laughs> in the show, um, it, it does seem like you're being a little touchy if uh, if if that's the situation. But yeah, there's there's uh, there's. Potato head news in the news uh, this week. <laughs> As, you know, I don't think there's any way to talk about any of this without sounding weird. You know, it's right. all going to sound weird. Yeah. But this
0: is, this is the day and age we live in. So, yeah. in lieu of flying cars, we're focusing on the outrage of a transgendered or amorphous, maybe is a better word? Um, Mr. I, I, Potato head? I don't even
1: know if, he, he, if this story, this situation, uh, qualifies under those headers. But, uh, but we are going to bring in a, 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 a term okay. uh, of this day and age, uh, gender neutrality. Okay, all right. Uh, Hasbro, in case you've been living in a cave, uh, has announced that, uh, that they're going gender neutral with the, uh, the artist formerly known as Mr. and Mrs. Potatoes. <laughs> you can't
0: make this stuff up.
1: And, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a strange, strange day indeed. But, uh, but yeah, it, uh, according to uh, executives at Hasbro, uh, they want to reflect the changing social millennium uh, and redefine what it means to be a potato family. Now, that's a direct quote from a senior vice president at Hasbro.
0: There's somebody getting paid a lot of money to come up with press releases. Like these. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I and I gotta say that's some good spin. That is some truly yeah. good spin. And as you and I have discussed before, anytime you know, any major corporation or, or corporate entity does something like this, I'm extremely suspicious of what the agenda may be. Sure, sure. And uh, and this case is no different. I, I do feel that there's an agenda at work here that doesn't have a hell of a lot to do with political correctness. Uh, or, you know, the the argument for gender neutrality or any of that kind of stuff.
0: Well, before we go a little deeper into this, which we will, mm. uh, let me paint a picture for the folks at home. Okay. Um, those of you that have seen uh, the movie The Road Warrior, the second in the Mad Max trilogy. Yes. You're familiar with uh, the half-naked guy with the hockey mask, Lord Humongous. Of course. Okay. Yep. And he kept the other crazy guy... <laughs> that was trying to kill Matt Max on a chain. Yeah, okay. yeah I remember Right that. now, folks, I am on that chain, okay? And Michael John Lee <laughs> is playing the role of Lord Humongous because, like uh, we say in the advertisements of this podcast, it's both barrels from both sides. Absolutely. And right now, I am cocked and ready to go. I am <laughs> so filled to the brim with outrage. Switch me on. Over this... You see,
1: there's a lot I'm of hand signals, there's, there's of hand chain, signals going back and forth between us. Um, you know, the, the, the specific hand signal for don't go there is one that Too we're late. frequently Too using Too late, The right cat's now. out of the
0: bag. And, and Michael, grace us, please, with your yeah, rational enough. man's approach. What's your name, scumbag? To why they're okay, doing well this. let's
1: Yeah, let's discuss. Um, and just first, a little potato background, if you will. <laughs> Uh-huh. Mr. Potato Head first appeared uh, to the world way back in 1952 uh, as a Hasbro product that uh, that uh, I don't know if you could say some assembly required. Yeah. But uh, but the, there was some assembly required. The original um, Mr. Potato Head uh, consumers had to supply their own potato. For example, a lot of people don't know this. These these were these that's were cost the, effective. Yeah. These were the dark days, um, and uh, you know. Mr. Potato Head and Mrs. Potato Head, of course, progressed uh, through the years and became, you know, potato players in the the big picture, in the big game picture, if you will. But now we're going in a different direction with with the potato family. Right. Now,
0: everybody, you know, as they're aware, this is a toy that's been around, like you said, since 1952. Forever. It's gone through different incarnations and it's changed with the times. You know, for instance, the original Mr. Potato had came with a pipe it yeah. was one of those little it fun came, attachments. Yeah, it came
1: with a kit and right. and, and, and had a bunch of attachments. It had the pipe. It had, mm-hmm. I think, a mustache. It had yep. ears. All these things. I think it had to have lips. And you know, from yes. lips, do you know the um, mouth?
0: A, a, a highball glass with two fingers of scotch in it. <laughs> yes. Um, also a very that
1: was in the Mad Madman era of right. the nineteen sixties. of <laughs> course.
0: had had a rather enlarged uh, right hand that he would slap Mrs. Potato Head with if she put mayonnaise on a sandwich. Because Um, you could do that back in those days. You could do that back then, yes. That was perfectly acceptable. But again, you know, times change. Um, later on, he came with some bell-bottom pants. No, I'm not even joking, folks. Do you <laughs> remember that? The legs had bell-bottom pants.
1: I, I have a vague recollection. During the 80s, I believe piece. he had a,
0: a popped collar of some kind and, and, had, came and a, with and a, a, a co- line of cocaine. And yes. a Coke line spoon. of cocaine. Yeah, yeah, and a Coke spoon. Yeah. Um, and all that's fine and good because it reflects the, the, the time. But um, one thing they've never taken away from Mr. Potato Head is his penis. Dick. Did that used to come in the kit? It did had I, to have did it I, I, I because don't, God don't made recall. male potatoes and God made female potatoes.
1: that's the rumor. that's, that's the, the rumor. <laughs> rumor. So, you know in all honesty I've never, I've never uh, dive, did a deep dive into potato gender mm-hmm. uh, significance and that kind of thing so I'm, 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 we're making some assumptions here of course Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah that brings us to present day and, uh, and all the things that are going going on these days uh, with uh, gender identities and sexual identities and whatnot. And, uh, and yes, like I said, Hasbro just announced that uh, we're going gender neutral on the, on the whole potato clan. Mm. And, uh, and I, do, I do question the, the method agenda. and yeah. the agenda behind this. And uh, just to give you some idea of why I do question the agenda. Here's where we here. turn into Hannity and Combs, yeah. and Michael is definitely Combs. Go ahead, sir. I'm <laughs> not even sure how to take that <laughs> reference. Just so everybody's aware, uh, back in 2016, according to census data available at that time, 705,000 U.S. households were headed by same-sex couples. 220,000 kids in the U.S. have same-sex parents. Approximately 114,000 same-sex couples uh, raise, are raising kids currently in the U.S. I can't say I ever sat in on a Hasbro board meeting but in my mind, that denotes uh, a demographic mm-hmm. that, that, that you can sell stuff to. And, uh, and, you know, call me cynical if you will, but I have a feeling that may have something to do with, of all things, Mr. Potato Head going gender neutral. I mean, call it a hunch.
0: Well, let, let me channel my inner Sam Kinnison oh, okay. and address the audience directly.
2: Is she right? Oh, I didn't know you wanted to get involved with the discussion, Mr. Helper. Is she right?
0: And I would say this. If you've got all these same-sex households, you know, mm-hmm. great, awesome, I'm down with that, you buy two Mrs. Potato Heads, or you buy two Mr. Potato Heads. <laughs> you don't come up with some <laughs> fucking freak that's pretending to be whatever he wants and not even be able to call it Mr. or Mrs. Potato Head. Uh, I'm just an ignorant rube, but that's how I see it.
1: <laughs> well, again, since, since we're going on a lot of hunch uh, on this, I have a hunch, John, that neither you nor I are necessarily in the target demographic for the all-new gender-neutral potato family.
0: And to that I say, is that portion or that, that target niche big enough to take an iconic toy that's been a part of so many people's childhoods and and cherished memories and changed it so that it's never the same again for, what? Uh, 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 Let's be gracious, 100,000 people? Because out of those same-sex couples, how many even give a shit about an androgynous or an amorphous Mr. Potato had Probably very few.
1: Well, that's... that's they don't that's, care. That's the point. That's one of those that, misconceptions.
0: Uh, Gays have bigger things to worry about, like their regular lives and paying the bills and the mortgage, like the rest of us, than to worry about how the, the toys are being presented to their
1: kids. I mean, uh, to be completely honest, um, why I need to care about this. But do you remember earlier this week... Uh, When we we first started communicating, uh, I think it was Tuesday, about potential topics for the Mm -hmm, show, mm -hmm. Um, shortly after uh, we got off the phone, this was an item in the news. Correct. And uh, again, I just, uh, big picture, I'm not sure why this this qualifies as newsworthy.
0: Well, it could be because also, (laughs) the day after we did the last episode... Yeah. Uh, where I had made the crack about you've never had a scandal with the Muppets. I remember Because that. Well, they have a grown man's hand up their ass dictating every word that comes out of their mouth. <laughs> Little did we know that the next day, Blamo, uh, Disney, which owns now the rights to all of the um, episodes of The Muppet Show, again, finished. a part of Americana as it gets, yeah. now there's going to be a disclaimer before each episode. Apologizing for the descriptions and/or stereotypes of different races and uh, geographic locales, uh, as they put it. Yep. Um, Do we fucking need that? <laughs> <laughs> like Kermit said, it ain't easy being green. This doesn't make it any easier.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I it, again call it a hunch. I have no statistical backing for this, um, but I have a funny feeling. Disney is the big corporation most on the defensive mm-hmm. these days about things they do, things they don't do. Right. Um, you know, products that they have acquired, companies that they have swallowed.
0: Where is my Disney transgender princess? That's all I want to know. Put it in a major animated feature, walk the walk, talk the talk, and, you know, it, it, it's easy to boot out uh, a Gina Carano type because of the subject she broached. Again, not the subject matter. Just the subject was enough for them to boot her instantaneously. Yeah. And now they're going to put these disclaimers up with the Muppets. It's like, you know what? That's kind of what makes it cute and quaint about the Muppets is because they were so diversified. Yeah. There was a Muppet that every single kid can relate to.
1: And if you want to talk about... Uh... A, a puppet or a puppet community mm-hmm. or a, or a puppet corporation um, that was any more social aware than these guys. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think you could find one. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the Muppets are always about you know educational television, exactly records, recordings, whatnot. These guys, you know, were were politically aware. Before it was in vogue to be politically aware and almost to a fault, um, are you, socially aware? Yeah, are, I are you uh, say that?
0: familiar with the parable of Roosevelt Franklin?
1: <laughs> yes, the Muppet
0: in question. The Muppet in question, Mr. Roosevelt Franklin, was a uh, shall we say a Muppet of color who was on Sesame Street from 1970 to 1975.
1: Yes, and by my understanding, one of the most popular oh, yeah. Muppet characters on Sesame rose Street to in that popularity stretch in time. He rose heights
0: overnight that Big Bird could only dream of, and I'm sure there was a lot of behind-the-scenes chicanery oh, you know, man, because the of ca- that. man, the cattiness that probably right, went right. on
1: on set with those guys. Yep. My
0: goodness. But as Prometheus was punished by the gods for giving man the gift of fire... Poor Roosevelt Franklin was brought low. He was brought low because, as a Muppet of color, some felt he was too black.
1: Others felt he wasn't black enough. And keeping in mind that, in fact, he's purple, <laughs> you know, this 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 whole thing takes on a, a, a comically absurd aura that... That's uh, the
0: name of the game, this episode, sir, because yeah, if not, I, I think I would cry. Yeah, yeah just...
1: <laughs> Yeah, this, this this definitely a week where we where we brought absurdity to a new level. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, this guy, you know Roosevelt Franklin, um, this guy, this Muppet, um, by you could say Mister Franklin. Mister Franklin, they haven't they, haven't okay, they haven't they have stripped him of his, with his family jewels yet. Okay. yet yeah. um, by my research, he was he was quite a remarkable character. He was an he was an example setter. Mm-hmm. You know, in 1971. Uh, he became the first Sesame Street character to have an entire album devoted to him.
3: Mm-hmm. I believe know? it was
1: uh, my name is Roosevelt Franklin uh, Yes yeah, you are correct yep. you know and again, you know in my research, I found that, that this character, this Muppet character, uh, he taught concepts. the setting with Roosevelt Franklin on the Muppets was a school. yes, and uh, in that school, somehow young Franklin, young Roosevelt, Mm -hmm. young Roosevelt Franklin, um, found himself teaching from time to time when the teacher was on a plane. This is true as well. And he taught concepts like the importance of family, Mm -hmm. uh, the importance of pride and respect. Mm -hmm. I mean, by all accounts, a remarkable little dude, I must say. He even explained uh,
0: the concept of near and far, here and there, which I believe was something that later on Grover took over.
1: I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Grover was Neither? that, that, that ah. kind of guy. And if I remember correctly, too, he also uh, discussed the dangers of consuming toxic chemicals. Excellent. I think That's I very think, important. Yeah, he, he brought that up at one point. So
0: Roosevelt uh, was as, as great a role model Muppet as
1: you can find anywhere. And was created by a cast member named Matt Robinson, who was black yep, yep. and still is as far as I know. But yeah, in 1975... Oof. He was he was dropped. He was ditched um, from, or he was cast out of the the Muppet universe for, like you said, uh, in different terms, being uh, not black enough mm-hmm. and too black. You know, they, they were they were uh, written complaints, letters that came in, um, and also notably complaints by uh, people in the uh, in the education field about his speech. Mm-hmm. how he spoke, um, the background, the classroom. Apparently, the classroom was, was too rowdy for some folks. And, uh, and there was one particular person who objected to the impression uh, he might be giving to little white school kids uh, about stereotypes, black-related, mm. black cultural stereotypes. Right. And, uh, and our man, Roosevelt, was summarily kicked off the show. Yeah, you know he has reappeared from time to time in different segments. Mm-hmm. He's appeared in the background of of, of uh, certain segments and whatnot. But for all intents and purposes, that was the end of Roosevelt Franklin.
0: Yeah. Now, um, you know, I have a lot of connections in the uh, in, in Hollywood and uh, in video production, and I actually. Uh, reached out to a friend of mine who I knew was doing a documentary on uh, cultural icons of the 70s and where are they now. Yeah. And apparently he actually was able to get his hands on um, an interview clip. Wow. Uh, yeah, an actual interview. Roosevelt Franklin is still alive, sadly, living on the streets in LA, oh, no living kidding. by his, his, his wits and whatnot. Uh. And, uh, they had a snippet of an interview that they captured with him. You know, so let me go ahead and play that for everybody right here. Hey there, excuse me. Aren't you Roosevelt... Roosevelt Franklin? Yeah, yeah. So, uh... So, yeah, I'm Roosevelt Franklin. Yeah, and, I thought uh, so. Yeah, I, I used to be on uh, Sesame Street. Right, right, Uh, Put out an album. How I you been some doing? other stuff afterwards, but right now I'm just, uh... You know, doing my thing. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, trying to trying to stay connected and, uh... You know, maybe maybe make some more music. Your, and, you you uh, know, look, look into that and... Yeah, yeah, I, I did the scat and uh, yeah. you know like like skilly doo bop doo boo doo, you know it's like oh, that because so it was and, you know, I haven't though. done it in a while but um yeah yeah no no I, I did so I did some theater uh for a little while but you know I I kind of mm-hmm. stopped doing that I did uh you know uh you you know how it is the drugs uh yeah. it's you know uh, are, you, are you right it's, though it's a life on the street. Right. And uh, you know, I'm just trying to do my thing. I watched you as a kid um, on Sesame know, Street. I believe in God and Jesus, and I, I, I think yeah. Someday I'm gonna I'm gonna get a shot again. Sure. Um. You, you know. You know. Do you keep in touch uh, with the old gang? Any of them? No. No. I, I I don't hear from Disney. Uh. I you know I don't my agent. I I don't know. He don't call. Of course. Right. I, I don't got a phone. I'm a little bit on the street, but what about um, the other Muppets though? Yeah, maybe I I would be open to coming back and, and and doing something, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, some of them I uh you know, Grover, you yeah, know okay, Grover, me and okay. me Grover's tight. Um, you know, Gonzo, he, he's I too. Yeah, you know, for a Jew. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. I'd you know, know he was never Jewish. cared much for Kermit or or, or Big Bird. Really? Yeah, you know, they they racist. Wow, he you know, asked me. Some racist shit going on there, but Oof. you know, whatever. I'm just, I'm just doing my thing, baby. Just doing my thing. And yeah, well, it's good to know, see you. Signing autographs when, when, when the people come by. Right. Well, you, you take yeah. care, buddy. Yeah. All right, man. You, you thank you. Take care, man. You, you got a dollar since, since I talked. To yeah, you? sure. I'll, I'll give you a dollar. Here you go, buddy. Sad, well, that's, huh? that's,
1: that's kind of sad. Yeah, man.
0: So, uh, it's, you know, not how you want to see one of your uh, childhood icons
1: wind up, but it's, it's a cautionary tale. Yeah. It could it, happen to anybody. He apparently was a lightning, lightning rod for the racial politics of the day. Right. And there was a lot
0: of it. And another example that, that comes to mind um, on the uh, Saturday Morning 70s show, I always try and include an episode of Schoolhouse Rock. Remember Schoolhouse sure, Rock? Of course fantastic way to educate kids on history and, and math and everything but when you go back and look at them they're a little bit dated okay mm-hmm. the, the music style is very like folksy and whatnot yeah but there's only one episode with an african american protagonist okay and it's the uh, little episode they did on verbs and it's actually set up like a black exploitation movie because the lead character <laughs> turns into this uh, Kung Fu superhero with the giant butterfly collars out and, you know, running around the city, uh, writing wrongs and karate chopping everybody. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was kind of like a a nation finding its identity at that point. Right. Yeah. We were past the black Panther movement and, and all different kinds of, of protests and, you know, Say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. we were past that, and it was accepted now, right. and you had you know people like shows like Good Times and Sanford and Son for Better or for Worse that were really going mainstream now, yeah, but there were some residual stereotypes that were most certainly still there and they were trying to work through right so it's understandable that would be there would be casualties, but you know. There's so much work for Muppets, especially at that time. <laughs> they could have promoted him to the Muppet Show and, and, and played at night, you yes, know, But they, yes. just, they just thought it easier just to dispose of him yeah, like like goodness. a commodity. Very sad.
1: So it's it's my understanding now that in any time they do reruns, mm-hmm. I guess, of this time period, you know, with the Muppets, but that Disney's now going to run apologies and disclaimers oh, yeah. for, oh, yeah. uh, for. I'm not sure what I mean. You know how how do you take, you know the 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 societal norms Mm -hmm. of that time period and drag them into the scrutiny of this time period? Right. And how could that ever hold up? And it's a slippery slope. Why would you do that? I mean, don't forget the Muppets show.
0: Had celebrities every episode. I remember, and it could be anybody from like Dinah Shore to Sylvester Stallone.
1: I, I have a good memory of Alice Cooper right standing right. up on the Muppet All
0: Show. All mainstream, so it's it's such a great little time capsule. Uh, even if you don't find it entertaining, yeah. it's similar to, let's say, the Dean Martin roasts, mm-hmm. the Carol Burnett show. I mean, this was life in the early to late 70s. Everybody yeah. had a variety show. This is what we found entertaining. <laughs> it, we, it predates I, I do remember cable. that. Literally everybody literally, had a variety you know? show back if then. You yeah. were, if you were worth your weight and shit and still had a Screen Actors Guild card, you would do an episode of The Love Boat or at least Fantasy Island. Absolutely. This is Absolutely. like, a, again, this is just what what these acts did. So my, my point is to circle back and kind of put a, a bow on this mm-hmm. whether it's Mr. Potato Head or you know actually Evil Knievel Toys are making a comeback. So there's a plus. They really? We have that. Oh no, care. yeah, they're, they're nice. making a comeback now. Nice. But, you know, these things were rather than make new versions of stuff to work in conjunction with the original versions mm-hmm. because really if you think about it, that's how life is. Yeah. New things are spawned. Keep the old things because they still have a very special place, especially timeless things like
1: toys. Yeah, really. You know? yeah. What's next?
0: A, a and, slinky that's just a, a straight rod that doesn't do anything.
1: Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and I think if you're going to do this, if you're going to apply today's norms and today's ethics to uh, things from the past, I mean, I that's can't tough. can't think of anything more benign than the Muppets in the past. Right. Um, then you know. How are you gonna? How are you gonna? Uh, I don't know. Justify or equate uh, these kinds of things with classic, classic stuff. You know, Norman Lear stuff, stuff like uh, like Good Times, and or Bunker. the Jeffersons, yeah. or Sanford and Son, or or even you know, Welcome Back, Carter. You remember mm-hmm. that show? Yep. yep. You know,
0: I yep. mean these these. And are, that's a good example. You're right because every single one of those sweat hogs in the class is a stereotype. Yeah, every single one yep. of them. I even watched an old episode of Barney Miller today and one of the running jokes was with the the Asian fellow who was a detective there. Yeah. You know, like, what are you? Are you Chinese, Japanese, whatever? They would make fun of the big muscular guy because he was so stupid, you know? Yep, And then Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Mojo. It's like each one of them and then later on there was the Hispanic cop and they had all these like Hispanic jokes about him. Yeah. But it was superfluous to the main point of the story, which was the camaraderie, and these guys were cops. They were going to work, they were in danger every day, trying to do the best they could. Really in a period of New York City where it was disgusting. Oh oh, New (laughs) York City in the nineteen seventies was dangerous.
1: (laughs) It was dangerous. And yes, it was dirty. It was dirty as hell. Right. And again,
0: going back, let's let's have three potato head people then. Okay? Because they've had, I believe, places where they had little children potatoes. Oh, they had the
1: potato family. The whole Mom, potato
0: family. dad, like I said, if you want two dads, have two dads. If you want two moms, have two moms. And if you need the mystery potato that doesn't fall into any of the above, then just make that too and yeah. give people an option. Don't dictate to the world at large, well, we don't feel this is appropriate, so now you've got to play with this.
1: Well, again, you know, not, not to sound too cynical, but... Uh, you're I, not. I, I, you're, I, you're the I, optimist. Yeah, I know, really. <laughs> it it kind of runs, runs contrary to my, my, my role on the show here. But uh, I don't think that what Hasbro's doing has anything to do with political correctness or political or, or sens- uh, sensitivity mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's just a flat-out marketing move. See, you I know, think I it's more like these
0: companies are running scared, and they're trying oh, to make a move. Oh, they're most definitely doing that. Before, like, the secretary says, oh, Mike Wallace is here to see you. Oh, yeah. One of those moments. <laughs> so that's, that's
1: Yeah, a lot of them are doing these things in anticipation of, mm-hmm. which you want to talk about a slippery slope. I mean, look out for that. You know, and and you know, notwithstanding you know the 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 cynical uh, business moves that a lot of these companies are making, um, I, I we can't. I don't know what's the what's the what's the phrase I'm looking for. How do I, how do we context these things? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just I'm I'm having. To, I mean, we've been joking around about this, you know, with Mr. Potato Head see, and, now and, you, and now you see where I'm and coming Roosevelt from. Roosevelt Franklin, but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, where does it end? Where does it stop? Mm-hmm. Because these are, these are
0: toys and puppets and children's shows, but these things have a way of, of gaining steam oh, yeah. and permeating all these different nooks and crannies and aspects of our life. And
1: that's the part that concerns the shit out of me. Oh yeah, it seems like we're overcompensating to make up for undercompensating. Yeah. And when creative
0: becomes the lapdog of those in power you're screwed yeah. because every society needs a freestanding artistic base. Yeah. And, and without that, I mean, it's so overused. I'm not going to say Nazi Germany. But you turn into a totalitarian society like overnight. Where yeah. There's no freedom of expression or creativity. Yeah. And I don't want to live in a country like that. So, because
1: everybody's scared shitless. Right.
0: And as absurd as it is, I said to you this earlier tonight when I was ranting and raving and frothing at the mouth – I never thought in a million years, I would be somebody engaging in a protest mm-hmm. or a march, yeah. you know, because I kind of sort of work for a living. Yeah. But I'm at the point now where I, I want to take an active role and just, it, just dispel some of the nonsense
1: that that's taking over.: Well, there seems to be a distinct lack of common sense here.: Yeah. And uh, and you know this is something that, that that we've talked about repeatedly on the show. I'm I'm still waiting for the Democratic Party to stand up and and cop to their contribution to creating Donald Trump. And I'm still waiting for the Democratic Party to try and analyze, you know, what was it, seventy five million votes he got this year? Yep. Seventy analyze that seventy five million. Well, to hear and, them tell
0: it, it's five million. It doesn't matter. Does that seventy five? Doesn't matter, they're delusional. We'll, we'll we'll just keep winning forever and ever and ever. Because they're in the honeymoon period. Yeah. And they don't realize that
1: they got four years to do something. Oh, they got <laughs> they got two years to do something, yeah, quite exactly. frankly. But uh, but just in, in in analyzing why um you know a huge chunk of that seventy five million voted for Donald Trump. Granted, you can write off some of that to sure. you know the wing nut factor. Yep. You can write off some of that to people who just vote party, period, in the right. story. But there was a good number of those people who voted for completely different reasons, um, reasons uh, that uh, they didn't want to. They didn't. They didn't want to be subject to the absurdity. Mm-hmm. I guess it'd be a good way to context it. And kind of, you know, going back to what we've been talking about today, this is some of the absurdity I'm referencing.
0: And that, folks, is why we brought it up. (laughs) Maybe that's how we should always end our first segment, which is the more serious of the two. And that's why we brought brought it it up. up. (laughs) So on that note, let's pull the cord on the parachute and bail out of this. Let's bust a gem. With a a tongue-in-cheek tune, which kind of reflects some of the uh, aforementioned controversy, a little ditty by the Luna Chicks called Mr. Lady. And we'll be right back in a few minutes, folks, with some more things... And st-
3: Brown eyes blue from so much loving. I'm getting another loving.
1: Your choice, Johnny. An the lyrics. See, when when you least expect it. That was some serious punk rock right there, man. That
0: was. That was. <laughs> and it's, you know, the lyrics are so heinous. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say that. So <laughs> yeah. people can look them up for themselves. <laughs> there is nothing left in your imagination there. And it kind of tied in with, you know, the lyric-wise, and eh, the, the point of the song ties in with our yeah. Mr. Mrs. Yeah. That, yeah. Potato Head. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, it had to be done in a punk rock song to reflect my personal outrage.
1: Like oh, and that is the artist <laughs> formerly known as Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. You
0: made me laugh and break character last time, son <laughs> of a bitch. thought I was prepared for everything. <laughs> uh, uh. All right, now, of course, uh, we'll take a page out of your book. That was off of uh, their 1997 album, All right, Pretty Ugly.
1: Really? Yeah, all right. which all in and right. of itself
0: was a... Good stuff. Yeah, you know, playing words, because they're I, all I, chicks. I, yeah, I yeah. like the title. I like, you know,
1: punk, punk, Chick bands or chick punk bands uh-huh. and you know we're going to get a shit ton of backlash just because I use the term chick but
0: uh you know, obviously they're broads yeah
1: <laughs> put down the shovel John put down the shovel <laughs> but it seems like like chick punk bands come up with the greatest titles for songs and for albums and even better than that do you ever
0: uh, watch roller derby
1: Ah, back in the day man back in it's, the day it's
0: still a thing it's still Is a thriving really? underground thing no kidding and the names that they give each other yeah. are the most amazing thing you ever want to hear <laughs> I mean I thought some like professional wrestler names were cool and gimmicky yeah. but it's just it was just so damn good just google that one day yeah. roller derby girl names and well, I think like artistry with, with with
1: roller derby girls and punk rock chicks. These are like women you don't want to mess with. Not even a little you bit. Know? Yeah. So they'll, yeah. they'll they'll throw out the sarcastic title. They'll throw out the nasty title. Yep. And it's like, what are you going to do? What yeah. are you going to say about, about the, it? Yeah, you know, get out
0: of my way, before I lose my Doc Martin up here <laughs> androgynous <laughs> hole. <laughs>
1: I think that was the, uh, nicely put, John. Nicely put.
0: Yeah, so I got to tell you, I mean, there's a good band, not
1: necessarily somebody you'd see on, you know, behind the music. Yeah, but I would want to. I would want yeah, to. Yeah. But uh, but you know, it's funny you bring that up. Um, also in the news this week, interesting, uh, interesting stuff. You know, and I think we just we're talking about this not too long ago. How about how Hollywood loves to reboot everything? Yeah. Yeah. Um, amongst other things that are being re- rebooted, the classic comedy Frasier. Yes, i heard Um, that. um, Which I'm looking forward to. I always love Kelsey Grammer. Mm -hmm. uh, Though I think his his greatest role was in in, uh, The Beast. Um, I'm not sure if that was in an X-Men film or Avengers film. Oh, yeah. But uh, do you remember him, Kelsey in blue? Yeah. That was good stuff. Two of them
0: I think he was in. Or is it one? I forget now. Was he in two of
1: them? Might have made an
0: appearance in two of them.
1: Seems to me it was X-Men films. I think it was X-Men films. Though, you know, comic aficionados like yourself know that The Beast was an Avenger at one mm-hmm. point in time. But no, it was uh,
0: X-Men, you're right. It was X-Men. I'm trying to think if it was the Fox X-Men movies or yeah. the, um, what's the other company, Paramount that did some? I don't
1: know. Warner Brothers, maybe? Yeah, never. Right.
0: That's DC territory, Oh, sir. oh, oh, okay, okay.
1: <laughs> I wander, I wander. <laughs> I'm stepping back over the line now. But uh, but yeah, as far as like reboots, um, it was also announced this week that... Uh, Reboots are coming of Yo MTV Raps, nice uh, of Unplugged, and uh, and what is for many people uh, their favorite of favorites, uh, VH1's Behind the Music. Really, yeah, huh. yeah. So it's it's, it's the, the the format is in question um, because the new version or the rebooted version uh, is being called MTV's Behind the Music, the Top Forty. And huh. uh, I haven't been able to ascertain the top 40 what. Right, right. Um, but, you know, if they're doing the top 40 of the VH1 Behind the Music episodes, man, do they have a lot to choose from. I uh, imagine so. 243 uh, episodes of VH1's Behind the Music were done. Wow, that's uh, a lot. Garnered of episodes. them five Emmys. Huh. And uh, and yeah, they really really went long and they went deep with that series. You know they,
0: something? Now that you bring it up, yeah. and I, I, I dismiss this as a, as a friend of mine pulling my leg, but the same guy that had gotten me the interview with Roosevelt Franklin yeah. in the alleyway yeah. said that he they were exploring at least doing an episode of Behind the Music on him, and I oh, thought that yeah. show was over. Hold on, let me let me. Well, he, he did it, have an album. Yeah, let me yeah. check. I think yes, I actually have the uh, the clip. Let me play this.
2: She was a huge dog, she was 17. All of a sudden, this rock and roll fantasy turns into a nightmare.
3: The headline was, we do lesbian lovers. I felt forced to talk about my
2: sexuality. I really got to the point of suicide.
3: He knew he screwed up. That's a pain he never to experience. None of us are perfect. We all fall short of the glory. VH1
1: Behind the Music. new episodes in
3: 1975
0: Roosevelt Franklin had it all as Sesame Street's first Muppet of color he was featured on the album my name is Roosevelt Franklin
3: and then suddenly
0: after a successful five-year run on the television program he mysteriously disappeared this is behind the music Roosevelt Franklin.
3: Here I am. Here I am. Okay. Here I am, and there you are.
0: So, baby, wow. baby it's that's a thing. Wow. Roosevelt is all over the place. Well, you now. know,
1: there were there were a lot of rumors uh, circulating about uh, about what you know he was up to during that yeah, time period. Yeah. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Um, I don't know how up you are on Rolling Stone's history, but uh, but in that. Stretch of time, the Rolling Stones were juggling lead guitar players. Uh-huh. Um, Brian Jones had uh, had passed away, and I believe it was 1969. Right, right. Uh, and they were working with Mick Taylor mm-hmm. for a couple of years, but unfortunately, Mick spent a little bit too much time in in, uh, in proximity to Keith Richards. Cocaine is a hell of a drug, and yeah, uh, well, we de- know what that'll do. Yeah, yeah <laughs> developed his own heroin habit, and uh, and was in process of bailing out from the band. I believe this was right around. 72, mm-hmm. and uh, they were going through a lot of different uh, potentially guitar players at the time. Eric Clapton was a name on the list, Ry Cooter was a name on the list, and there was some rumor, you know, unfounded though it may be, that, uh, that our man Roosevelt, was you Gary know, was, the was, 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 was hanging with Mick and Keith back in wow. the day, you know, and, and I... You know, I'm, I'm theorizing, I'm spitballing here, right, but, right. you know, I'm wondering if that might have had a little something to do with, you know, him getting bounced off of Sesame Street. is like a hell of a drug. Could be. Yeah, think about it, you know, what the Rolling Stones represented and stood for at the time was mm-hmm. completely contrary to what the Muppets and what Sesame sure, Street was sure. doing at the time. So I wonder, you know, uh, behind the music, uh, delve into... Amazing, uh, amazing. man.
0: I had heard something. I just assumed this was like urban myth, you know, <laughs> bullshit talk. Yeah. But um, on one of the first releases, Paul McCartney did with Wings. Okay. I think it was uh, on silly love songs. They were going to have a an interlude in the middle of the song where Roosevelt Franklin was going to do some of his scat. Oh, Did okay. you do
1: Wop, Wop, Wop? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah Because it had that kind that of you know, yeah. move to the song. But he, he had that shit down.
0: He did. So he was well connected. It was probably the time he spent at Studio 54, I and mean, because this is where everybody got together. Yeah, yeah.
1: Your
3: name is Fulkinet.
0: it behave. It was yeah, a yeah. think tank of, 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 of artistry. Of stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah. I mean, going back just to uh, Behind the Music, I can't believe they've had that many 243,
1: episodes. yeah. Yeah, it's stunning. It's stunning. And, and yeah, like I said, they were hugely, hugely popular, They like got five Emmys. Do um, I gotta say, they did some very sanitized versions of certain artists' careers. Not the first person I've heard kinda, say that. Kind of yeah. stood out to me. I, I, I remember uh, very, very well the episode they did on the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh-huh. And uh, they were predominantly talking to uh, Hillel Slovak's brother, uh, he was the uh, lead guitarist for the Chili. He was the guitarist for the Chili Peppers, mm-hmm. who unfortunately died of a drug overdose at one point in time. And they danced around that subject uh, as much as one could possibly right. dance around it, with going without going deep on it.
0: See, the only two episodes I remember, and I, I couldn't tell you how many of those I, I had watched. Yeah. But uh, the two that I remember are the one with Leaf Garrett oh, because of the car accident. Yes. And he crippled his yes. Friend, yes. And the one on Motley Crue. Which didn't the same thing happen to Vince Neal? Uh, some of along those lines or, yeah, only. Some kind of car only
1: yeah, only the guy that Vince was with died. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Uh, the guy that Leaf Garrett was with was paralyzed from I guess the waist down right. or something like right. that. But yeah, it was kind of I do remember that, and it was a trip because uh, Leaf was a mess. Yeah, at the time of the episode, and I think they kind of snuck the whole thing up on him with the buddy because he hadn't spoken with right, him, right. you know since the accident was but then up- after
0: that the, the show almost became a, a character of itself and it became yeah. like that behind the music
1: thing. scheme saying yeah. you know
0: yeah. coming up we we do something dramatic and they cue the music and it became a, a joke in and of itself. Yeah. And to kind of almost try and put things in perspective. Now granted they're taking artists from pretty much every musical genre. They
1: really covered it, yeah. But
0: 200, I've got 130 episodes of the Classic Rock Showcase done, yeah. and a couple of those have had different volumes of the same artist. And I'm at the point where I'm struggling, you know, until time goes by and these acts become Classic Rock, yeah. struggling to, who else I could possibly use to think this show did all those productions on 200-something Oh, yeah. Artists. And now there's more to come. Well, it
1: wasn't, yeah, it wasn't just artists. I mean, they started, I believe it was in 1997, Uh and went pretty much without a stop until I think about 2003, 2004, and then started doing uh, remixes and reboots and whatnot, Mm -hmm. uh, and continued on through, I believe it was 2009, Um, but I don't know if you remember it, at at one point they were focusing on years. Right. As opposed to individual artists. No, nope, I don't recall that part. Yeah, they did that kind of thing. I mean, I think the episode on Aerosmith mm-hmm. was like a special two part episode. I think they did the same thing with KISS. Huh. You know, I mean and, and it's completely understandable. I mean, how are you gonna jam down the Aerosmith story? Right, right. You know, which exactly. which you know span decades. And in, along those in lines, hour, you know, that's
0: why Aerosmith's one of the acts on the showcase that there's two volumes of. Yeah. I mean, the Beatles have three volumes of it. So it depends yeah. on how much material they put out. Um, but yeah, and, and it's hard as long you don't want to choose. But to your point, a band like Aerosmith that's been active for solid what, thirty, forty years, yeah, is so much there, especially when it's a band that's prone shenanigans. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you don't want to leave out any of the good stories. Yeah.
1: Well, that's again, I think some of the things they they sanitized over. I mean, the the, the format of the show was was pretty clear after you'd seen a couple episodes. Right, it was a, right. a beginning, a middle and an end, yep. you know. There was the rise uh-huh. and then there was the conflict, you know, whether it was drugs or bad management sure. or all of the above, and then there was the happy ending.
0: Now, can we count the uh, Saturday Night Live skit with Christopher Walken as an episode of Behind the Music <laughs> with Blue Oyster Cult? Because I don't think they ever actually did Blue Oyster Cult.
1: I don't think they did. I think that should count with yeah. Cowbell. Yeah. yeah, you'd think. You'd think. <laughs> yeah, they they did a couple of, of, of you know unique renditions of, a little spin-off of this, spin-off of that. Um, like I said, they did a special two-part episode on Kiss, mm-hmm. you know, and the whole Kiss story and whatnot. Um, because again, you couldn't you couldn't jam all that into an right, hour. Right. Um, so yeah, in in those two hundred and forty three episodes, they think they tried just about everything you could possibly try, you know, upside sure. down, backwards, and sideways to keep the thing going, including focusing on individual years. And uh, and you know, I think everybody um, that had a pulse, you know, during that that stretch of time has probably has a favorite behind the music episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, despite the fact that, like I said, I knew, you know, from knowing the history of the band that the Red Hot Chili Peppers episode was sanitized all the hell and bad. Right. It was still enjoyable. It was still fun. And like, especially, fun to
0: watch. you know, in, in the early years of VH1, that's what our parents watched. Yeah. yeah. Like, there was really no draw to VH1. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that was a,
1: a big, it's funny you mentioned that. There was a big thing about VH1 is compared to MTV, yep. right up until 97, they would the dysfunctional stepsister. Sure. You know, and when they popped with behind the music, suddenly they had a thing. They had a whole new know. identity. Now, now it they very... became
0: like the adult radio video oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and and there were were a lot of revelations yep. uh, in all those episodes. I don't know if you remember, but the very first episode they did was on Millie Vanilli. And the, I did not know that yeah. was the first one,
0: but I, I remember seeing that. Yeah, uh, the
1: whole Milli Vanilli scandal and yep, whatnot. Yep. And uh, and according to the people who were involved in the show at the time, that was a very, very difficult episode uh, to pull together because first they had to locate the guys, you know, because they had kind of gone into hiding after the, the big scandal. Sure. And finding well, one them... The one was dead. Was uh, one of them is dead now, yes. I'm not sure if he was at the time that they did okay. it. Okay, okay. Though they might have done... Uh, a re- revising of the original episode right. um to get that part of the story back in um but that was their first one uh their second one was on m c hammer yeah and uh and the big <laughs> wow it's all coming back to me now.
0: oh I know man,
3: <laughs> but the, as I uh, often
1: say i don 't remember a
0: whole lot about the nineties, yeah, so you gotta like poke my my cerebellum into oh, yeah. you know firing up <laughs> I, I
1: think you know it's kind of like the old joke about the sixties if you were there. You're not going to remember it. All know? right, yep. but uh, but the second episode was on MC Hammer, huh. and uh, the big revelation from that episode was, I think, the fact that Hammer blew something like thirty three million dollars yeah. in you know his short, relatively short stretch of a career. Um, you know, so there were all sorts of revelations. Like it seems to me that per VH1 Behind the Music, anybody who was an artist in the '70s got screwed over by management, and it was broke by 1980. <laughs> yep. You know, that kept happening time and time. It happened to Aerosmith, it happened to Ted Nugent. Yep. You know, time and time again, that was the reoccurring theme. But the saving grace is, you know,
0: they're still staying active, playing state fairs and different <laughs> Six Flags theme parks to stay
1: relevant. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Despite the fact that you were, you were fleeced of every single dime. Right. You know, by, I think, I think uh, if I remember correctly, during the Aerosmith episode... Uh, or episodes. I think it was a two-parter. You know, they talked about some of the the wacky shit that their idiot management invested yep. in. I think at one point they invested in Clydesdales. Oh, nice. You know, or, or fact, known <laughs> known money makers. Fun know. fact:
0: If you wind up paying royalties to play your own songs, that's a bad contract. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: That was another thing that came up. Now that I think about it, with the uh, with the Black Crows, uh-huh. uh, and they're behind the music. I think to quote their uh, their manager, "You signed the worst contract <laughs> in the history of music." <laughs> you know, in their initial foray, in their initial go around So there was, a, you know, there was an awful lot of those revelations to be right, had. Right, and uh, and yeah, you know, I, I mean the the five Emmys, I think they, they definitely earned them. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a lot of fun. The, the entire show was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, speaking of reboots, uh, MTV Unplugged. Yep. I mean, who doesn't have a favorite MTV Unplugged episode? What was yours? Uh, probably Pearl Jam. Really? I thought yeah. you would have jumped all over Nirvana. Uh, Nirvana was good. Uh, that, was, that was a very pleasant surprise. Right. Um, little Unplugged fun fact for you. Uh, do you know who the first artist they approached to do an Unplugged was? Uh,
0: let me ask you this. Did they actually do one? No. Oh, uh, wow. Nope, I got nothing.
1: It was Jane's Addiction.
0: Oh, God. He's never yeah. going to let me live this down, folks. And they
1: would, they would <laughs> <unfortunately> <laughs> do it, unfortunately, too big a mess at the time to pull it together and do and do the show. Wow. Um, but yeah, they were the very first artist approached.
0: My favorite one, oddly enough, was the uh, the Rod
1: Stewart one. Really? Sat and oh, Rod and Wood he Rod sat he had, him with him? Uh Rod Wooden, yeah. 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 Um, Unplugged and Seated, I believe, is yes. what they called that. Yes.
0: Yeah. Good tunes, because a lot of his stuff from back then he was able to do faithfully, like in, in acoustic format. So I was like... This is just well done. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that is what it is. And I don't know. Is it inspired you to, to play a related gem? Perhaps.
1: Perhaps. 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 definitely. Um, you know, there's, there's, <laughs> there's a certain amount of cynicism, pardon me, uh, that has carried over since the first part uh, of the show. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, that's probably reflected in the, uh, the gem I'd like to play. Cynicism um, towards? Towards the music industry. Oh, there should be so many. Yeah. You know, there's, <sighs> I, I suspect there's a long, long list right. of those particular songs. What'd you choose? Um, well, this particular one is near and dear to my heart because I'm a big fan of Billy Squire. All and right. Billy, Billy Squire was a local dude from uh, the Massachusetts uh, rock community. Uh-huh. So I always had a soft spot for Billy. And uh, this is off actually his second album. Um, emotions in Motion. Okay. Uh, I think that this definitely epitomizes the whole rock situation. This is a song called Everybody Wants You.
0: Yep. Nice, nice choice. All right, folks. We're going to play this little ditty for you and i will be right back to wrap things up with some more things and
1: That is a rocket tune. I remember
3: listening oh, yeah. to that on
1: a radio. From his multi-platinum, multi-platinum Multi. 19, 1982 album, um, Emotions in Motion. Yep. That was the, uh, the follow-up, follow-up to his huge, huge debut album, In the Dark. And yeah, uh, and yeah Billy, Billy was all over the place at yep. that point in time. It was good fun. It was and a he lot of is fun.
0: featured on the Classic Rock Showcase. Is he's he really? A, he's got his own
1: hour. He's one of the first ones they did, actually. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, uh, so, John, you yes, know, as sir. I was ask around around this time in, uh, in the show, what, uh, what is new in Big Boom Radio this well, week? Well, I
0: tell you what, my friend, i got some exciting, exciting news. All right. Um, we, uh, as a station, are entering into our first sponsorship of an, an event, if oh, you will. Oh, wow. All right. Uh, we're we're going to sponsor something? We are going to sponsor something. Talk wow. about your guerrilla marketing.
1: What did we hawk to do this? <laughs>
0: It's all about connections, baby. Oh, very good. And very I, good. I did this without a scotch in hand or an open bar to go to, so wow. it's just amazing. Wow. Calling in some favors, they made a connection, and all there's right. a local, uh, yeah, I guess you say local, um, independent wrestling promotion in Connecticut. <laughs> nice, called Blitz Blitzkrieg Pro Wrestling.
1: John well, is a supporter, folks. He and is.
0: I, well, I'm a wrestling fan, Here and I, I've been aware of uh, Blitzkrieg Pro for a while. Um, and it's a great independent promotion because you get to see up-and-coming performers yeah. who s- sometimes, uh, within two years, you'll see on WWE or AEW. Right, right. And it's also those uh, guys that are kind of winding down their career, but they okay. saw that star power and everybody wants to you know, see them in person. Yeah. They make appearances there. It's, it's a lot of fun. And like I said, it's been going on for quite a few years. So we're going to be uh, one of the sponsors of their May 7th, uh, COVID nineteen permitting, yep. uh, their May seventh promotion, scratching the surface.
1: Thunder Lips is here
3: in the flesh, baby.
0: And I'm so excited because, yeah, of course, that is exciting. My ass will be there in attendance. That's nice. <laughs> and we'll see if it's just one of our burgeoning uh, relationships with with another business, kind of a symbiotic thing.
1: Well, I like I like what they call themselves, Blitzkrieg Pro. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Originally stuff. based
0: on on the founder who portrayed a character known as Blitzkrieg. Nice. And you can actually see them on the old WCW telecast that <laughs> I found on YouTube. <laughs> All right. And uh, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. And uh, a lot of my friends have gone to these over the years and they're like, John, you got to come out, you got to come out. Yeah. And I was never one for live uh, pro wrestling shows. I'd rather watch it on TV because the presentation is just so much better. Sure. Um, you know, same thing really for me as baseball. You know, I'd rather sit home. <laughs> you got to get up, get something to eat, you could do it, take a dump, whatever. You know, sometimes... With the exception of football, once you're at a live sporting event, you're kind of trapped there. Yeah, you know? you're there. Yeah, But, uh, yeah, so looking forward to that. There'll, there'll be more to come. Uh, there's going to be advertisements for it uh, and marketing materials on our website, BigBoomRadio.com, okay. as well that. as BlitzkriegPro.net. And uh, that's up with that.
1: Good fun, man. Good How are fun. you doing with that uh, Blitzkrieg Bop ah, show? Everybody's yes. liking it. Big Boom Radio's <laughs> punk rock show, Yes, Blitzkrieg Bop. Well, uh, uh, doing some interesting things with the lineup. Of course, uh, after their performance today, I uh, want to loop the Luna Chicks in nice. uh, to get See? them a little little. Hold uh, on, little ladies. Exposure. We're going to make you a star. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, throwing around the idea, uh-huh. contemplating it, nothing's, nothing's finalized yet, but contemplating the idea of doing an all-female punk band uh, episode of Blitzkrieg Bob.
0: Nice. I mean yeah. it takes a little bit of creativity, but I imagine there's enough material well, there's, there's, out there.
1: There's plenty of material. There's plenty of plenty of girls who rock. Yeah. You know, plenty of chicks you throw down in the punk rock uh, punk rock genre. You know, you think of people like Joan Jett, you know, sure, and of course the sure. runaways. Uh, we got the Luna Chicks of course. Yep. Uh, I would love to weave the go-go's in there. Um, then I think you should. Yeah go go's aren't generally recognized as a punk band. Uh, But kind of in a similar situation as Blondie, before they hit with mainstream success, they were part of their local punk rock community, the punk rock underground, if you will. You know, Blondie in New York and the Go-Go's in L.A. Right. Um, So yeah, we you know definitely, definitely uh, you know doing some moving and some shaking and trying to put that together. So yeah, lots to look forward to.
0: Well, let me know if you hit any rough patches there, because I could let you take a gander at my collection I've used for our friday night show all on right girl power oh there we go so there might be some uh, little gems you could pull a little from crossover there. action
1: there, sure sure yep. excellent
0: all good stuff see here we are folks hitting our stride in the depressing downtime of winter <laughs> you know
1: yeah this is this is the stretching time that you got to get through but uh i don't know about you but i'm a huge baseball fan um which is hard, you know, with your teams, the Red Sox. Uh, yeah, they, they yeah. definitely <laughs> push the envelope on you. Well, my New York Metropolitans have a new owner.
3: And that's right. Everything that's right. is
1: just so sunny on the horizon. Yeah. yeah, looking forward to the baseball season for a change, I would yeah. imagine for the Mets fans. And I'm even looking
0: forward to the NFL draft with this, you know, quarterback carousel that they yeah, got going yeah, on. I mean. Yeah. All my years as a football fan, I've never seen this kind of migration before. Yeah, it's crazy. Isn't let it? alone the, the great crop that's coming out of college to see you know oh, yeah. who gobbles them up. Mm-hmm.
1: But, um, well, I've but, always considered the start of the baseball season to be the end of winter. Gotcha. You okay. know that's that's you know it it used to be used to be the Oscars when they did them uh-huh. uh, the last week in February. But somebody fucked that up and pushed right. it out to March, so that's not it anymore. But the Sox are going to be on the field for the first time on the 28th uh-huh. of February, which I believe is either, what, Thursday or Friday? 28th or, of
0: February is tomorrow.
1: Oh, it's tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> I'm glad we brought this up. So, well, yeah, there'll be this, a, Have you ever been to a spring training? Unfortunately not. It's, unfortunately not. It's a fun not. time. Yeah, down in, in Florida, yeah. it, it looks like it is. You know, yeah. I spent all those years in Southern California, so... Florida was like, eh, right. you know, it was no real excitement in the thought. Yeah, I got sent uh, down
0: uh, for air quotes a job, nice uh, one year, okay. and I got to deal with the Mets exclusively during spring training. Really, nice. And years later, I went back as a uh, like a vacationer. Brought my dad down there, okay. and we got to enjoy the spring training games and nice. meeting the players and stuff. And yep. it's uh, it is a fantastic way, especially coming from the Northeast. Yeah. To go down there and just to get this it's a stank of dirty snow and, <laughs> and winter and sleet, just to get you that get off, off of you. you. Yeah. And like the saying goes, hope spring's eternal, you really feel that that uh, you know, you hear Vivaldi, the four seasons playing in the background as like the rose petals <laughs> open up. It, it's just that, that that whole sensation of oh, spring yeah. has
1: sprung. Well, every year the Boston Globe will run a run a, a picture montage. You know, of the first day when the you know Sox opened the training camp, gotcha. and uh, and I was looking at it the other day, and it was just like, oh, you know, yeah. the blue skies, the green grass. There's something about about grass associated with with uh, professional baseball. Yeah, I don't know what they do, but it doesn't get any greener. Yeah, you know, and it's just such a nice thing. To look I at. tell you,
0: what, like a little side joke. Growing up on uh, the Jersey Shore, one of the the best things about the boardwalk when spring rolls around. Is all the food stands open up and they start cooking this shit, getting ready for the summer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, some of it's that old. But especially <laughs> like the sausage and pepper stands, Ooh. as soon as you get out the car, that smell would hit you. Yep. Yep. So the first time I had been down there with the Mets, all of the uh, the food vending places, they don't reflect the Florida lifestyle. They reflect the New York lifestyle. All right. So there you go again, the burgers and the dogs and, of course, the sausage and peppers and all this. Yeah. So I was telling my dad on our way there, oh, man, first thing we got to do that. We got to get these really sausage sandwiches. They're so good. And, yeah. And we get there, and it was during a period of early 2000s when the new york mets were really having a uh, almost a, a latino revitalization okay. and all these hype that's when we stole um, pedro from you guys ah, right? okay yes and amongst other players yes. and the two days that we went to the games for spring training it was like cuban day so there was no sausage <laughs> sandwiches. They literally had Cuban sandwiches. All right. And I think they kept, like, hot dogs or bratwurst or whatever. Yeah. But I was so disappointed. <laughs> I mean, because it's just, like, there was no smells. You couldn't even smell popcorn. There was nothing. Oh, yeah. And the whole time they had, like, like I guess salsa music playing or yeah. whatever the, the flavor is. Oh, man. And I was just like, oh, my God. What a oh, letdown. Yeah. down.
1: Well, you get that, you know, that taste Yes. You know, fixated in your mind and, and, and in your mouth and whatnot. Yep. Yeah, it just, uh, there's nothing to come replace with. It's like the old that.
0: saying, you know, announcing your plans are the surest way to hear God laugh. Pretty <laughs> much, pretty much. <laughs> so on that note, my yes. friend, let us uh, take our adieu from these fine folks. And thank you so much for everybody tuning in. We enjoy spending some time with you. And as always, I'm Johnny Teflon. And I'm Michael Sean Lee. And we'll see you all on the flip side.